Welcome to the Motherhood Anthology Podcast, photography education for a business you love. My name is Kim Box, and I'm your host with the collaboration and help of my co-hosts and business partners at the Motherhood Anthology, Jenny Kruger and Allison Craig. I'm so glad you came back to listen to part two of this episode titled, Defining Enough featuring Shanna Skidmore. If you missed the first part, make sure you go back and listen. Shanna's sharing so much valuable information, I don't want you to miss any of it. Today, Shanna and I are finishing out this theme of defining success by defining enough. In case you missed my introduction of Shanna in the previous episode, Shanna is a podcaster over at Consider the Wildflowers and owner of her own self-titled financial services firm. Shanna's business specializes in providing CFO services and financial education to creative business owners just like me and you. I love how Shanna takes a holistic approach to financial success and goals. She really considers mental, relational, and emotional components when helping business owners set money goals, and I love that. So now I present to you part two of Defining Enough and episode number 33 of the Motherhood Anthology podcast. Back to this thing you said about getting off Instagram. <laughs> How in the world, Shauna, do you run a business without social media? Now, you you are on Facebook, Ish. right? Yes. 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 We have a presence on Facebook for Facebook ad purposes. So let's talk about that. You hop Why did you decide to move your business off social media? And how in the world do you run a business this day and time without (laughs) social media? Not easily, but also really easily. Okay. So in 2017, I was four years in business. I had launched the blueprint model again. We are so blessed and grateful. Like at the time, the the blueprint model is already selling like hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And I was very mentally drained by Instagram. First, I do have a very high aesthetic for my work, but this was just starting to be the age of Instagram that moved from like an actual social network to a marketing platform. And so I felt this need to really elevate the presence of the brand on Instagram, but I had no idea how to do that. And I didn't have the money to pay a photographer to take brand photos for me all the time or edit photos. I mean, and I didn't want to follow my life around with a camera. I just, I didn't. I'm a very private person and my college roommate set up my Facebook account and I still have the exact same name as when she set it up, like... (laughs) I mean, I never changed it. I don't ever get on there. I'm a very pretty naturally private person. So Instagram was becoming a stressor for me mentally. It was a drain on my time because I would spend so much time writing the caption or trying to edit a photo. And then of course there's this mental, like once you post it, if it didn't perform very well, you're like, oh my gosh, why didn't it perform? That was such a beautiful picture. Like I'm a natural analytical person, clearly. I was always analyzing the data, but the data made no sense. It's like, well, that one did good and that one didn't do good. And I have no idea why I couldn't find a pattern. So I was just frustrated. I was mentally drained and it wasn't matching the aesthetic of the work or the clientele that I was working. I mean, I was working with, you know, the, all of the names in the wedding industry and in the creative industry, and they had beautiful work. And I'm like, how do you talk about money in a beautiful way. <laughs> Here's my spreadsheet today. <laughs> I mean, right. and so I was frustrated. So I had the beauty of deciding I wanted to take time off Instagram and figure out a different way for marketing. At the time, Instagram was bringing in 70% of my website traffic, 
we had just launched the blueprint model. We had made enough money with that launch to take off an entire year. Like if we didn't make money, another penny for the whole year, we could pay our bills. So I always tell people, if you want to take time off Instagram or your, and it's your number one marketing channel, like it was for me, know your money plan. Like, how are you going to bring in sales? Because my biggest fear is that I would be forgotten. Like that was my biggest fear. I will go off this platform and people will never know about Shanna Skimmer again. And I'm telling you, Kim, the month after I went off social media, my business was quiet, eerily quiet. My website traffic went down to like a 10th of what it was before. My biggest fear felt like it was coming true. Like I wasn't getting inquiries. I mean, 70% of my marketing was all on Instagram and I decided to quit. That was crazy. But you know what? I was like, okay, we're okay financially. Thankfully, I had the, I knew the numbers. And we're okay. And so I dedicated to stay off of Instagram until we replaced that website traffic and marketing platform with a different form that felt more sustainable to me. And that was long form content marketing. So blogging, Pinterest, and SEO. And so I just dedicated myself to those platforms. And it took me 18 months. I stayed off for 18 months completely. I was so proud of myself. I felt like, okay, this is more sustainable. Like this is something I can control and I can do. I'm going to get back on Instagram. I got back on Instagram for one week. And the second time I quit Instagram was because I I realized this is actually the least effective and efficient use of my time that I could ever be putting towards marketing. So people ask me a lot, like, how and why did you get off Instagram? It started because I mentally needed to get off and it continued because I realized it actually isn't the best use of my time. And so I just have never gotten back on. And instead of, I mean, if you really look at, I track my time religiously and even as workflowed as I had Instagram, I used, you know, all the scheduling platforms, I pre-wrote content and captions The even with like having great boundaries, great workflows, it was still taking me five plus hours a week. And in that same time, I could write one piece or two pieces of long form content, get it on Pinterest, get it, you know, with SEO optimized. And it brings in traffic for years. We still have posts from Pinterest bringing in traffic from five years ago. So that's why I stayed off. I just felt like it wasn't the right marketing move. And I'm seeing that more and more and more and more people who are doing really well in business are not spending their time on Instagram, which is shocking. So it's not shocking, but it feels shocking to other people. It is hard to stay off because now with the rise of influencers, like I can't, I get denied for all accounts, like influencer accounts, Amazon storefronts. I get denied because I don't have an Instagram presence. So that's really frustrating. I get denied for a software I use literally every single day. And I I promote every single day to my tens of thousands of email subscribers and students. They denied me. I'm like, I could sell this like hotcakes. So there are moments where I feel tempted to get back on social media, but I realize that I have a conviction. I want my students more than anything to succeed in business. And what is going to keep you from succeeding in business in 2023? It's no longer the money economy. It's the attention, attention, attention economy. People want your attention. The algorithm is designed to keep your attention. It is designed to be addictive. I don't think anybody's surprised by that. Even YouTube is designed to be addictive. And so I just have this moral conviction that I can't, I can't play to the algorithm because it would be morally feel wrong to me. So therefore I will never win at Instagram because they, they reward people who keep people on the platform. That's how more people get visibility. So 
that's why I've stayed off. I hope that answer wasn't too long, but I just truly believe if we look at Instagram for what it is, a marketing platform, if that's how you're using it, you know what I'm saying? If you're truly there for social, I miss DMs, no like and trust factor. I have to build in a totally different way. I've missed the social side of Instagram, but for marketing, I know it's not the best use of my time. So, you know, right now I only work 20 hours a week with my daughter. So I just can't get back on. Do you think it's doable for a photographer to run a business? You know, <laughs> yeah, I think it's doable and honestly better probably for every single business owner. Now, there are some people out there I truly believe love like TikTok. I always tell my students, you need one to two, one to begin with, two is ideal. Two marketing channels, that needs to be your main focus too. Mine is long-form content now in the form of blogs. And we have a podcast and we promote it with SEO and Pinterest. So like, that's what I can do really, really well. And so if Instagram is what you want to do really, really well, stay there. If TikTok is what you love, stay there. But for anybody listening who doesn't like it, there's absolutely a way, another way. The only sad thing for me, and I learned this actually from Eric McVeigh, He's a photographer that I just love. I had him on the podcast a while back and he mentioned that he didn't love Instagram as well, but he stayed on there because he wants to promote the other vendors that he works with. So if he, he photographs a wedding, posts it on social media, he's able to promote all of the other vendors. And that's the one piece that does make me sad. You know, I can't think all of our podcast guests publicly. I can thank them on our blog and I can thank them to my email list. And so for photographers, that's the only piece I think would be challenging because how else will you promote the other vendors if that's a part of your plan? And we probably have a harder time getting some podcast guests. I mean, now I'm in 10, 10 years of business. We have a pretty established brand and name. But if I didn't have that as a new business owner or somebody trying to start a podcast without a lot of brand awareness, having a platform where somebody else, they want something from me. Like, why would I be on your podcast and use my time if you're not then going to promote me? You know, so I think there's some things like that you'd have to think through how you can get around that, that whole idea of like, am I thinking more about what I want to do or what I want to accomplish? Like, what I want to accomplish is promoting and giving recognition to our podcast guests for me or for Eric McVeigh to promote or recognize our other vendors. If I'm doing that through Instagram, how could I do that in a different way? I absolutely believe every business owner could get off Instagram if they choose to just like, what are you trying to accomplish? For me, I want more website traffic. What's the best way for me to do that? Well, it wasn't Instagram. Right. We talk a lot about SEO and I can totally see how if you spent the same amount of time that you spent on Instagram, yes. say, and you use that to work on SEO, how you would see a much bigger return. I can see that. Yes. yes. Oh, now, yes. And I know yeah. different markets are different um, because I hear Jenny and Allison talk a lot about, you know, people searching, I guess, hashtags on Instagram for newborn photography. But in my market, I'm not sure how many people do that. Like I'm going to Google when I'm looking for something like that. So, yeah. And I think too, brings up a great point. Again, going back to defining enough. Okay. Well, how much do you need to sell? How many clients or students in my case, does that take? Okay. Now I have a scalable product. We can, we can sell to anybody. We can sell to hundreds of thousands of people, but we don't have to, and we don't need to, to hit our goals. And so when people say, well, 
you know, they're searching hashtags for newborn photographers. Well, they're also Googling, you know, like you might not find the same people, but you'll find enough people. Mm -hmm. And that's where I go back to like, you again, you don't have to be on all the platforms. Mm -hmm. And if you are, you're probably spread so thin, you can't optimize one. Right. And so just choose your platform. That's another piece of advice. I think I heard you have heard you say it too. Like in the beginning of your business, I think you are in that mindset of there's only so much business to go around. Like I've got to, I've got to hustle, hustle because, you know, my competitor is going to take it all. And I think, you know, the longer you're in business, the more you have to look back on and see that there's really enough, more than enough to go around. You just have to find your people. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So I know I don't have you for much longer. So I have a few other things and we can just hit them quickly. If you had to give a new photographer your best piece of advice starting out, what would you say? Mm, Okay. (laughs) I have two. One is promotional, but doesn't mean to be. It's just, I do truly believe in it. I would say first and foremost, get really great at your craft. Get so good that when people fall in love with your work, when we talk about competition, like no one can be you, that will always be your unique factor. So just get great at your craft, do as much of your craft as you can get great at your craft. And then not because I wrote the blueprint model, but truly because I truly believe every business owner needs to understand the foundational elements of your money, how to price for profit, how to forecast your sales, how to set your enough number, how to know how to pay yourself take the blueprint model. I created it literally for people who are dreaming about owning a business in their first year of business, desperate to make money five years in a business, whatever that is to understand. We have so many students who are like, A, I wish I'd taken this earlier or B, I'm so glad I took this in the first year of my business and it will set you up for success. So that's not meant to be promotional, even though it is, but I wish every new business owner would take this program because they would just be set up for success in a, in a very different way. So those are my two pieces of advice. Learn your numbers and get great at your craft. You have a story that comes to mind of a, a success story, maybe from one of your clients that you'd like to share. Oh, I'd love to. So I kind of thought about two. I have to share my first client, Amy Osaba, who's one of my dearest friends in the world still to this day. And I think that biggest success for me with that was watching the transformation in her life. She was a single mom. She had three boys. She was living in her mom's basement when her, when I met her, she had never taken a steady paycheck from her business and didn't know how to pay herself. And she just, she had just gone through divorce, was just feeling really low. And again, I would say like money isn't a motivator, but money isn't the reason she went into business, but knowing that she could stand on her own two feet, support her kids within one year of working with her. She was taking a six figure salary from her business. She had bought a house with a pool, which is a big deal in Atlanta, Georgia, because it was hot for her three boys. And just to see her own empowerment and belief in herself change, that is what I think about almost still today, this 11 years later, that's why I do what I do every day. So as much as it was a success story for her, it, for me, gave me the confidence to say like, what I do changes lives and show up, like show up and do it, Shanna, (laughs) even on the hard days, even on the days where you question your worth or have that imposter syndrome, just speaking really loud in your mind, 
looking back at Amy's story just reminds me like, this is why I do what I do. And then the second one I wanted to share was one of my clients, Erin Benzikeen. She is the founder of Floret Flowers. She is now on the Magnolia Network, which is awesome. She has a show on there. People would not believe that I cold called her. And I said, I'm really, I love what you do. And it's beautiful. This is before clearly she was a TV personality. And that's how I got to work with her. So I always want to tell people that because there is power in picking up the phone and saying, hey, I really love what you do. And I don't know if you could use my services, but I would love to work with you. And that's how I met Erin. So those are my two big ones. I love, especially the Amy story, um, being able to talk to people on the podcast. You know, you, you get to hear people that have come from hard times and reached some success. And one of my favorite moments is always, and I don't even know how to put words to it, but when you sense that pride, that this was hard and I did it. Yeah. And there's some sort of feeling around that, that I just love. And I think I can relate because, you know, I was a single mom and just that, that drive to prove that we talked about, like, so I, I recognize that in other people and I just love it. So. So let me tell you about this domain that I've owned for 10 years. It's called, I want my kids to know. And I've always had this idea of doing something with that because kind of as a love letter to my kids, because I feel like we all start out life with these, I guess, things we're taught or preconceived, like you've got to graduate from high school and go to college and get a four-year degree and go to work for a great company that's got benefits. And so my son graduates next week and he has a little bit of the entrepreneurial bug that his mom has. And so I'm interested to ask you, like, either if you went back to 18 or even for your daughter, like, what do you want her to know that maybe you didn't know? Oh, so good. Well, first, my prayer every day is that she just knows how loved she is. I mean, that's ultimately how I want her to know I am her biggest fan. I think, Mm. too, what I think I'm so proud of and what I didn't know, but looking back, like I would not do it over is to chase your curiosity. I always felt like I got frustrated because, you know, Kyle, my sweet husband, he has a passion. He was passionate. He's passionate about aviation. He loves to fly. He's loved airplanes since he was a little kid. He watched the like Wright brothers documentary at probably three. I mean, he has a passion. I never had a passion. I was interested in a lot of things. Like I said, I got a business degree, a psychology degree and an art degree. I just couldn't, I didn't know. I had no idea. But what I always did was I sought things I was curious about. I wasn't afraid to be like, okay, I'm going to shadow a private equity firm. I'm going to shadow an occupational therapist. I'm going to work in an accounting firm. Like I tried so many things And I'm so grateful that I wasn't embarrassed by that. I think a lot of people feel embarrassed that they don't have a straight path, that it's not like A, B, C, D, E, and now you're a millionaire. Like my path was never straight. And I heard this incredible quote by Elizabeth Gilbert. She was being interviewed on the Oprah show. And she said, she just talked about chasing your curiosity. And if you look back on your life and you had 1500 jobs, it's like, what a beautiful and interesting life. And nobody shapes it that way. We think we're supposed to have this path. And, and I'm just really grateful. I don't know if it's something my parents taught me, or I don't really know, because I'm a natural achiever and perfectionist, but why I never felt drawn and or like something was wrong with me because I didn't have a straight path. So I just, I would want Madeline to chase her curiosity. And the more you do that, the more you will find out who you are 
and what you love and what your passions are. And working in finance, I had this amazing privilege to see that the people who look the most successful or look the most wealthy often aren't. It's, you know, the guy or gal who you would never know, or they're just, we went and picked strawberries yesterday. They own a farm. One of the wealthiest business owners I know owns a strawberry farm. Do what you love because you can have not only financial success, but life success if you do what you love. And if I can, I'm going to send you this link, Kim, so you can link it. There is this Jim Carrey graduation speech where he talked about where his dad could have been a famous comedian, but he chose the safe job and he became an accountant and he later got, he later lost his job. And I think that's, there's been a shift, you know, where we chase, I think so many more people are realizing entrepreneurship may be more safe than the safe job used to be. And so anyways, I got on a tangent. I'm so passionate. Just follow your curiosity. I love it. That's kind of the same advice I gave him. It's like, so he thinks he's going to go to the fire department because that's what his dad did. And I was like, sure, do it. But don't ever feel stuck. Don't ever yeah. feel like I'm five years in and I've got to stay because I have retirement in 20 years. No, go do the next thing. Like you only get one precious life. So do what you want to do with it. And so, and I would also say, Kim, I have heard and to follow up with that. Like, for instance, my husband, Kyle, his degree is in aerospace engineering and in a, in a profession like that, if you leave that profession, you kind of are done with that profession. Does that make sense? Like if he wanted to be like an aerodynamicist, he's going to have to get a PhD. So I also tell people too, like in the sense of chasing curiosity, give everything a little bit of time. Like I have heard from some entrepreneurs who are like, man, I wish I had stuck with that just a little bit longer. I think that's probably the hardest is like knowing when to leave and knowing when to stay, because sometimes in depending on what someone wants to do, you might need to stick it out. You know, Kyle, when he left aerospace engineering, it became, it was a big decision. It's like, you know, if I leave now, I might not ever come back. And so I think there's this beautiful place of like, keep asking the questions. Yeah. So I wanted to ask you, this has always been a big question for me and I guess as someone that for so long provided a service as a photographer, like what advice do you have for like planning for the future? Because as I told you, you know, I, I read, I reached a point of, I can't, I can't always do this. I can't always work this Ooh, hard. Yeah. And then also like, even, especially as a wedding photographer and a female, I had this fear of like, are people even going to want to hire me as I get older? Because it's, you know, it's a young industry. And so that gave me lots of anxiety as the breadwinner in my family. So do you have any advice for someone that might be in that position? Like, how can I do this for the rest of my life? What would you tell them? Well, it's such a good question. I'm so glad you circle back to this. So as I cautioned people to not diversify your income too quickly, like give yourself time to get great at your craft I do recommend at some point, everyone create a scalable offer at some point. And and when people, you know, right now it's like the online education world, but there are hundreds of ways to create a scalable product. You can create an actual physical product. You can create for artists, you can create prints, create something that can sell without you having to physically work. And I think that's really important because you're so right, Kim, there will be seasons of life where you need to slow down. There will be seasons of life where you need to transition out. 
So there will be a lot of different seasons of business. And I think at some point, if you can create, everyone needs to create an offer that you can sell literally while you sleep. And that can come in a lot of different ways. Again, going back to like, what are you excited about? What do you get curious about? Think about those things. And I also want to encourage people, it could be a completely different from what you do now. So if you're a photographer, if you don't want to sell prints, you might want to start, you know, I don't know, I didn't come up with an idea, but something completely different. That's okay too. I just think at some point, everyone should A, think about their exit strategy and B, but everyone needs a scalable product. I think naturally like that is what took some of the pressure off is when um, I began to diversify a little bit. And that for us initially was hiring other photographers on our team. So they were working and we didn't have to work as much. And then we also have the film lab and print co and now TMA. So that has, has really taken a lot of the pressure off, you know, that I don't have to, to be working to pay my bills next month. So. Yeah, I think, yeah, exactly how you said going the agency route is another way. If you don't want to create a scalable product, like you are scaling with people. And so diversifying that way. Now I think about, you know, sweet Madeline, what if she wanted to, how could we build a business where Madeline could work in it one day if she wanted to, you know, and we, I've even considered, do we, do I train other financial advisors? Mm-hmm. And, and it's so fun to do that as you grow seeing your business, I think in the beginning, you know, I just wanted to make it five years right. <laughs> and then it's like, wow, to get to a place, what a, what an opportunity and a privilege to get to a place where it's like, how could this outlive me create a business model that's sellable and that can outlive you? I think is, is a concept that should challenge every business owner. Again, after you've gotten profitable, after you're getting clients, right. <laughs> so this isn't a first year conversation, but when you're like, hey, we've built something sustainable. Now let's see how how could we create a business we could sell one day, even if you don't. I think that's an interesting concept and practice to go through. So I'm going to steal from your podcast and give you some rapid fire okay. <laughs> questions. <laughs> By the way, I am a huge fan of Consider the Wildflowers, and it's an amazing podcast. Everyone needs to go listen because you have great conversations with lots of business folks and. Um, it's so, so, so good. And so when everyone, after they listen to this, I want them to go check out your podcast, but so I'm going to give you a few rapid fire questions. Okay. Uh, give me your best tips for work life, motherhood balance. Yeah. Okay. I love uh, the idea of harmony. What does work life harmony look like for For me, I found compartmentalizing. <laughs> I have so many friends who talk about integrating life and work really well. And the freedom for me was realizing I don't integrate it well. I like compartments. And that for me was so freeing. So I would say for anyone listening, no matter what work-life harmony you are, if you're in toddler season like me or whatever your season of life, finding what works for you and knowing that that's okay. I really struggled with the need to be on work or be off work. Like I was like, why can't I do this well? But just allowing myself to say like, I need compartments. I need work time and I need home time. And I need that very structured because I don't do it all mushy in my brain together. Well, that's a version of me I don't like. So find what works for you and own it and know that that's okay. Favorite business book and why? 
Okay, I'm going to give two. Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. That's a faith-based business book. It's an incredible, just about uh, God is our our creator. We are created to create. Amazing book. But my favorite, favorite business book is Essentialism, hands down. Greg McCowan, everyone should read it. And I'm so grateful I read it before I wrote the blueprint model because he, our mindsets are so kindred and like find the things that are the most important and quit everything else. Essential, what is essential in business? There are so many great things you can do in business, but if you only spend time doing all the good things, you're never going to get to the best things. So we have to learn to sift through all of the noise and put our time and attention on the best things. So essentialism, hand down, hands down, every business owner should read it. Hey friends, if you've been around the Motherhood Anthology podcast for very long, you've probably heard of our good friend, Kristen Sweeting. Kristen is a wedding photographer turned coach for entrepreneurs. She's built two multiple six-figure businesses, all while single parenting her son. So she truly knows how difficult balance and the ebbs and flows of running a creative business can be. If you love the Motherhood Anthology podcast, we think you'd love her podcast as well. So check out the Dangerous Creatives podcast. You can find it on iTunes and Spotify. Okay. I'm a big quotes girl. So what's your favorite quote? Oh, you know, it has to be my girl, Dolly Parton. Never get so busy making a living mm. that you forget to make a life. My favorite quote of all time and my oh. favorite lady, Dolly. Absolutely. That's a good one. That's a good one. Okay. This is kind of my signature question that I ask people at the end of the podcast. So Shauna Skidmore, how do you define success? Success to me is spending my time and my money in a way that aligns with my life values. If I can look back and say, yes, I aligned my time and my resources with the things I value the most, my values, no one else's values, that would be success to me. Well, Shauna, this has been such a bucket bucket list. You were at the very top of my podcast dream guest list. So, so flattered. Really, really appreciate you talking with me today. It's been fun. I could pick your brain for hours more, but I won't do that to you. (laughs) But I do want to wrap up and tell everyone, since you're not on Instagram, where they can connect with you and what resources that you might have. Yeah. So I will say three places, my website, shannaskimmore.com. That's going to be where you find all the blogs, freebies, all that fun stuff. That's my hub. We can get on our newsletter where I hang out. Two is the podcast. We release a podcast every Thursday. They're so fun. Consider the Wildflowers is the name of the podcast. We are about to wrap up season one. So we take a summer break and then we'll be back in August. That's summer two. And then we are working on a brand new free training. I haven't set on the name yet, but I think it's going to be something about popularity versus profitability and popular isn't the most important kind of thing. So it's going to be fun. So go to www.theblueprintmodel.com, theblueprintmodel.com, all one word, and you'll find that free training. And it's really good just for any business owner who is looking to kind of get back to the essentials in business, let go of the noise. It's going to be a really good, powerful training. Thank you, (laughs) Thank you, Kim. Shanna, you're a gem in the finance industry. What a blessing to have someone like Shanna in our corner of the entrepreneurial world. It's hard to find someone who gets us as creatives and understands the unique situations that come with owning photography businesses. 
Thank you, Shanna, for taking so much of your time to chat with me and share with our listeners. Your loving advice and applicable tips will surely be on the notepads and in the business planning meetings of so many of us for years to come, and I appreciate you. So if you enjoyed this episode and are loving the Motherhood Anthology podcast, would you mind leaving us a rating and review? That simple action helps us out tremendously when it comes to planning these episodes. We want to make sure your time is as useful as possible, and one way we can do that is by making sure that you're enjoying the content that we're putting out on this podcast. So click those stars and leave us some feedback. We sure would appreciate it. So I'm going to leave you with this quote by Mark Cuban. Success is not about getting everything. It's about being content with what you have and living your best life. So from Ireland's to yours, until next time, friends.